Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Today we're going to continue our series in 1 Peter. And I'm going to talk about rejoicing in our great salvation. You know, we've been singing this morning and worshiping this morning. We've got a lot to be thankful for. When we look at our lives through the perspective of Christ, we've got much to be thankful for. There's a uh, Mercy Me song called Say I Won't, and it goes like this. The lyrics say, Today it all begins. I'm seeing my life for the very first time through a different lens. Yesterday I didn't understand, driving 35 with the rocket inside, didn't know what I had. While I've been waiting to live, my life's been waiting on me. I'm going to run, know I'm going to fly. I'm going to know what it means to live and not just be alive. You know, that's the words of someone with perspective. They've looked at their life and they're seeing something different for the very first time. And it's my prayer today that as we look at the scriptures, you're going to see something different for the very first time. As I was wrestling with this passage from 1 Peter this week, uh, I tell you what, it's enough to give you a fit uh, for you English teachers uh, in the Greek New Testament, verses 3 through 12 of 1 Peter chapter 1 is one really long sentence. One. And so you're going, Peter, what got into you? He is praising God and he's just uh, sharing the reasons why you and I can and should uh, praise God. And so I've called this rejoicing in our great salvation. And as we look at 1 Peter 1 this morning, as we read it, I want you to realize that we need to understand God's work in our lives. Uh, and the first thing I want to say is there's more to salvation. Look in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, when it comes to understanding God's work in our life, I want you to realize there's more to our salvation. There's more to our salvation than just walking down an aisle and making a profession of faith. There's more uh, to salvation than just saying, I know where I'm going to go when I die. There's more to salvation than just saying, I believe I'm going to go to heaven. There is so much more uh, than that. It's certainly not less than that, but it's certainly more than that. And so here he's praising our God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's pointing to his mercy. Look at what he's done. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And through our belief in Jesus Christ, we have a new birth. Remember Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. He wasn't talking about physically he was talking about spiritually. You and I need to be born again. And when we hear the Word of God, and, and, and the Spirit of God takes that Word of God and convicts us, and we respond to God in faith, we are born again. We experience the new birth. And something happens on the inside of us. And so He's given us through His mercy this new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You and I now have hope. We have hope in this life and in the life to come. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead. Because we serve a living God and a living Lord, we have what? A living hope. Not a dead hope. The Bible makes it clear that when Jesus rose again on the third day, He rose again and He lives what? Forevermore. He will never, ever, ever die again. He lives forevermore. And so therefore, you and I have a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And not only do we have this new birth, not only do we have this living hope, but it says we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, you and I have an inheritance through uh, Christ in heaven, and we will receive that inheritance someday. And there's nothing that can take that away. It's not perishable. Uh, it can't be spoiled. It's undefiled. It'll never fade. It's unfading. In other words, when God says He'll give it, guess what? He is going to give it. And so you and I have this new birth, so something's changed on the inside. We have this living hope, and now, guess what? We have this inheritance in heaven kept for us, and nothing can touch it, nothing can change it, nothing can spoil it. It's not going anywhere. It'll never fade away. And then, as if He wants us to grasp this, He, he in effect, says in verse 5, you, you are being uh, guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, God has, uh, has an investment in you. Why? Because He sent His Son to die for you. And when you became a believer, you received the new birth. Now you have received what? The, the Holy Spirit. I'm, I know I'm borrowing from other passages in the New Testament, but having believed, we received the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit which is, a, is a, uh, a guarantee, a down payment of what is to come. And so God is invested in us. And so what is He saying? He says, I'm guarding you by God's power through faith for this salvation that you're going to experience in all its fullness and glory in the end when He comes. In the, in, in, in the end. It says here, uh, in the last time, revealed in the last time. So when He comes. And so there is so much more, guys, to our salvation than we realize. Uh, the, the mercy that we receive, the new birth that we've experienced, the, the fact that we have a living hope. I always, I've always loved that, uh, that idea of a living hope because what that tells me as a Christian is no matter how bad yesterday was, no matter how bad last week was or last month or even last year, no matter how bad it gets, tomorrow's coming. There's going to be a day when we're going to be with Him forever in glory. And that hope, that expectation becomes an anticipation because I know it's going to happen. I know one day He will return. I know one day that He will rule and reign forever. And I know that you and I will be with Him as believers in Christ. And so I live with hope because I expect that and I'm anticipating that. You know, most people say hope so, as if it's, you know, flip a coin 50-50. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. That's not the biblical idea of hope. The biblical idea of hope is you, you expect it to happen, and because you expect it to happen, you anticipate it. So you look forward to it. 
with hope, waiting for the moment when it arrives. And that's what happens as believers because one of these days Jesus is coming back. There is so much to our salvation. But there's more. When it comes to understanding God's work in our life, there is more to our salvation. And we've looked at that in verses 3 through 5. And then there is more to our struggle. Look, if you will, in verse 6. He says, You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you've not seen Him, you love Him. Though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, he had a future perspective when we looked at our salvation. We were looking at not only what God's done now, but all that we've got to look forward to in the future. Now he's kind of looking around at the present and he's saying, you know, there's more than the struggle that you and I see each other going through in this life. There's more to it than just the struggle. You see, they were going through trials. They were suffering grief. They were going through trying times. And he says, and yet you rejoice in this. How can you rejoice when you're not happy with your circumstances, when you don't like the situation you're in? How can you truly rejoice? We're not talking about putting on a, a, a happy face. We're not uh, talking about you know, positive thinking or anything like that. There is a truth that undergirds all of this that paints the reality of faith that says, even though I don't like this situation, even though I'm in a trial, even though I'm going through a season of struggle and suffering, I am rejoicing in the fact that God is in control. I'm rejoicing in the fact that God is the author and the finisher of my salvation. I'm rejoicing in the fact that I've placed my trust in Him. And here we have this knowledge uh, that what? that God uses the situation to test our faith and to prove our character. Isn't that good? I mean, that's what we see here. You know, I'll never forget, you know, when I was in high school, I believe it was my junior year, I guess it was. My junior year, I had to make a decision on what I was going to take classes-wise, and I listened to too many people. Well, if you're going to go to college, you got to do this, 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 and this. And I ended up changing some things that at the time I very quickly regretted. You know, I enjoyed music at the time and I enjoyed band, but I felt like I had to have this extra class. And the only time they offered it was in band. And so my, my junior year, I gave up band as a class. I took this extra class and I was still in the band after school, all the extracurricular stuff they did, but I wasn't in band as a class. It was the ultimate insider-outsider feeling. I was still in the group, but I wasn't in the loop. Everything they did that day in class, I missed. So when I showed up to practice after school, I was clueless. I didn't know what was going on. And I was so frustrated. And I had nobody to blame but myself because I made the decision, I'm going to take this class instead of that. And you know what? God used that experience in my life at the time to really make me think, what do I really want to do with my life? What do I really want to do? 
And, and after that, uh, that season in my life, I, at the time, I decided I was really into music. And so I leaned in and, and gave it my all. And some of you that know my testimony, uh, at that point, I wanted to be a band director. My senior year, I was all in on music. And then two weeks after graduation, God had a sense of humor, called me to preach. I answered the call. And I still love music, but I never look back. You know, I never question what God uh, wanted me to do. But, you know, some of us have seasons in our life where we struggle and we, we struggle with what we should do and, and we look at the situation we're in and we don't like it and we try to find a way out of the situation or the circumstance and we just don't have the power to change our scenery sometimes like that. And as a believer, what do you do? He says, look at what God is doing. God is using the trials. He's using the situation. He's using the suffering that you're going through to prove the character of your faith. Just like a refiner takes gold and he purifies it in the fire so that it's pure and so he can shape it and use it as he sees fit. God is doing the same thing to you and I when it comes to our faith. When we go through the hard knocks of life, when we go through the trials of life, when we go through seasons of suffering in life, uh, God is more concerned about our faith and our feelings. Because if we'll trust Him, if we'll lean in on Him, if we'll depend on Him, He will deepen our faith. He will strengthen our faith. He will purify our faith. And that's why Peter says in verse 8, though you've not seen Him, referring Christ, you love Him. And though you're not seeing Him right now, you still believe in Him. And you rejoice with an inexpressible, glorious joy. Why? Because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. You're so filled with the hope of heaven, you're looking forward to all that you're going to see and experience with Him someday that you fail to realize what He's doing right now in the presence. He's making you more like Jesus right now. And many times we miss the obvious because we're looking at at the uh, trees instead of the forest. And so there's more to our salvation and there's more to our struggle. And that's what Peter is saying there. The third thing when it comes to understanding God's work in our lives is there's more to our story. As Peter begins to praise God and begins to remind us of this great salvation that we have that we should be thankful for, that we should be praising God for, he wants us to realize that there's more to our story. You know, so many times we get wrapped up in ourselves and we look at, well, yeah, God saved me. He, he changed me. I'm glad He came into my life when I was a teenager. Uh, he, he has changed my life. But you know what? It didn't start with me. God's been the author of this story, and it goes back to other people, other generations prior to me. In other words, look at what he says here in verse, uh, verse 10. Peter says, Concerning this salvation that you and I have, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you, searched and carefully investigated they inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when He testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. In other words, Peter's connecting the work of God in our lives to what he's been doing all these years. 
you know, we look at this great salvation we have, and we go, isn't God amazing? He is. He's awesome. And He is amazing. But look, you go all the way back to the Old Testament, and look at what the writers said. Look at the prophets, and what did they say? They saw our day in faith. They just didn't quite understand it. They saw the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. They, they didn't understand how, how all that would play out or shake out, but they saw all these things, and they were trying to figure out like pieces to a puzzle. What does this mean? What's the picture? When's it going to happen? And it was revealed to them that it wasn't for them. It was for us. And so now we look at this great story of salvation. Yes, we're a part of it, but it's so much more to our story than just us. Look at what God's been doing since the creation of the world. Look at what God's been doing when He prepared the world for His Son. Look at how He called His shot hundreds of years before. One day I'm going to send my Son and He's going to do this, 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 and this. And then when Jesus comes and He fulfills all of these Old Testament prophecies, showing and demonstrating and proving that He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. And so there's so much more to our story than just us. And so when you look at God's work in our lives, I hope you realize there's more to our salvation. There's more than just the struggle that you and I go through today. And there's more to our story. So now that we've understand what God has done for us, because this is a huge, big, deep breath of praise that Peter starts out his letter with. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he starts showing his cards, you know, the, the mercy of God, the, the new birth, the living hope, the resurrection of the dead, the inheritance that he's going to have for us in heaven someday that's never going to perish, spoil, or fade. The fact that uh, even while we're here on earth going through our struggles and our sorrows and our, and our suffering, that we can still rejoice because we have a hope that transcends uh, the things that are going on around us. And that our story started a long time ago, not just when Christ came into our life, but the prophet were pointing to this long, long ago. So now that we understand what God has done for us, I basically want to boil it down today with two questions, just two. And the first question is this, have you received Christ in your life? Peter is full of praise. I mean, look at Peter. You can look at the difference in Peter's life. He was a fisherman he come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And the Lord changed his name from, from a Simon to Peter. And he became like a rock because he pl planted his uh, life on the rock, and that is Jesus Christ, the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. And even though Peter, when he was in the flesh, when he was acting like Simon, he would always fail. But when he demonstrated that faith in Christ, which gave him the name Peter, he realized what a great and awesome God he has and what great salvation he has. Have you ever received Christ? Is Christ in your life? Can you look back at your life and say, there was a time when I didn't have Jesus, and now there is a time that I do have Jesus, and you can see the difference between not having Him and having Him? That is called a personal testimony. That is called a salvation experience. And it's my prayer today that every single one of you can say by the grace of God that you've had that experience with Jesus Christ, that you've personally experienced what He can do when He comes into your life and He saves you and He changes you and He makes you into a new person. 
That's the first question and the most important question that you can answer today is whether or not you receive Christ. And I know that in this room, many of you have. And so a second question I have for you is this. Are you rejoicing in God's work in your life? Peter did. Now, Peter had problems. And you know what? We all have problems. But Peter rejoiced in the work of God in his life. He started out this letter full of praise. He's talking to exiles that have been dispersed abroad the provinces of Asia. They're scattered everywhere. And yet he's full of hope in Christ. He's full of praise for the Lord. Why? Because of what God has done in his life. And he knows that God can do the same thing in their life. You know, as I think about what Peter unpacked here, it makes me look at the the future, the present, and my past in, in a fresh way. I mean, think about it. No matter what you're going through on any given day or any given time, think about your life through the eyes of Christ. Your future is nothing but good and glorious. Why? Because if you have Christ in your life, you know a day is coming when one day you will see Him as He is. And you will be, become like Him, as the Bible says. And you will have that fellowship and that communion with Him. And it will be full of joy and unspeakable and full of glory. And so I look at the future and I go, wow, I can't wait to know that we have this awesome future with God, uh, with a new heaven and a new earth, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more sin, no more death. I mean, awesome. I, I can't wait to experience that future that's just forever and ever and ever unending. What an awesome uh, hope that we have to look forward to. But then Peter reminds us of the present. It doesn't matter how tough today is. When you have hope in Christ, you can say nothing is wasted. Think about that for a minute. As a Christian, there is never a wasted experience in your life. I'm thinking of Romans 8, 28 right now. It says, and we know that God uses all things, right, uh, that, to work together for our good, for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. God doesn't waste any experience. Isn't that awesome? So whenever I'm going through a situation that I don't like and I'm suffering and I'm struggling, God is still using that for my good and His glory. He's making me stronger. He's deepening my faith. He's proving my character so that I can be a witness to those around me of what it looks like to go through a trial and trust God. Many times we don't think of it that way, but maybe we should. And then when it comes to our past, I don't know about you, but when I look at my past, it's forgiven. It's covered by the blood. And the fact that from the very beginning, God knew that we would mess up. God knew that we would need a Savior. He knew that we would need Jesus. His prophets all through the Old Testament said, there's coming a day, there's coming someone. He is going to be the servant. He's going to be the suffering servant. He's going to be the one that's going to, to take upon himself our, our sins. And by his wounds, we will be healed and then one day John the Baptist comes on the scene, he points to Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, and even Peter will see later on, By his stripes we are healed, referring to the prophet Isaiah. You and I, when we look at the past, we can say, Look what God has done. Past, present, and future. No wonder Peter had a hard time 
praising God and exclaiming praise to God in such a long run-on sentence. And so today, I want to wrap this up and ask you this. Were you in your life and your walk with Christ? Have you received Christ? If not, that's the most important decision you'll ever make. And if you have received Christ, are you learning to rejoice in God's work in your life? Don't let another moment, don't let another struggle or situation steal your joy. Here, Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His grace and mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Does that describe you this morning? Do you realize that God loves you so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for you? And he rose again. And those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, they are born again. They experience this new birth. And now they have a living hope that will never die because they serve a living God who rose from the dead and he lives forevermore. It's my prayer today that that's you. You see, the good news is God loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross to save you. And anyone who's willing to come to him, he'll receive right now. I want to encourage the musicians to come. Let's all stand. We're going to pray, and then we're going to have a time of invitation. And it's my prayer right now, if you've never received Christ, it's my prayer right now that you will pray a prayer like this. Uh, Lord Jesus, I know I need you in my life. I know that I've sinned. I know, Lord, that I deserve death, hell. And, Lord, I know that without what you've done on the cross, on the sins for me, that I cannot be saved. But Lord, I believe you. I trust you. I believe you've done everything that's necessary for me to come to God. And Lord, I want to trust and receive you as Lord and Savior today. You know, if you in your own words have cried out a prayer like that to God, I want to invite you today to come and and uh, and let me know. I'd love to listen to you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to encourage you. And you know, and when Christ comes into your life, you want to declare it. You want to make it known. You know, that's what believer's baptism is about. Believer's baptism is your public testimony of faith. You're going in the water and you're saying, look, I believe that Jesus died and and he rose again and he did it for me. And now I'm going under this water because the old person is dead And I'm being raised to walk in a new new life by the power of God, by the Spirit of God. And so I encourage you today to take that next step. If you've asked Christ to come into your life, take that next step and go public with your faith. Father, we come before you right now. Thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each and every person. And Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and your way in this service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact a pastor, please visit phbcsomerset.com.